Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? It's going well, trying to get back into the routine of things after the Thanksgiving break, looking forward to Christmas, so trying to get my December all squared away. Got uh, holiday parties, holiday events for the church, uh, you know, busy season this time of year. Oh yeah, very busy. We've got our first um, holiday party uh, tonight, the night that this this drops on Friday, and it'll just kind of kick things off. But I got to tell you, I've kind of enjoyed this early Thanksgiving thing. It was like it gave me a week to get ready in between. Yeah, this is the earliest possible week that you can, or earliest possible date you can have Thanksgiving Yeah, on the 22nd. So it's the longest Christmas season as well. Right. Early Thanksgiving means long Christmas. Right. And I enjoyed it. I mean, we started getting our decorations up uh, right after Thanksgiving, but it, it really has been sort of a week to kind of decompress from Thanksgiving and then get ready for the busyness of uh, the Christmas season, um, which I love. So I'm very, very excited looking forward to the next few weeks. Yeah, because you've got graduation coming as well at Southeastern. That's correct. So uh, the seminary, I know busy time, church busy time. So Definitely. Uh, you got a lot going there. Yes. And also another seminary that has graduation coming up. And I, I saw <laughs> this the other day. Yeah, it's, it's an easy segue. But I saw this the other day. Dr. Mulder tweeted this out. I think he's going to confer his 11,000th degree this week or this uh, month, this coming graduation at Southern since he's been there. 11,000 degrees, 11,000 graduates since he's been there uh, over his 25 plus years. What a milestone. Now, I I hate to get technical, but it it has to be 11,000th degree, not 11,000th graduate, because I at least know of one of those graduates that has two of those degrees on that list. Oh, there's probably several that have three yes. at this point yes. over eleven over those so, 25 years. But so. that's kind of fun because I hear 11,000, and I think um, two of those 11,000 uh, were an MDiv and a THM uh, to Keith. So that's kind of fun to look at that yeah. number and say, there he is in there. Where did he get his PhD? Southeastern. Okay. So did the THM and the MDiv and then went there. Yes, for, that's right. And undergrad from Clemson as we round out. That's correct. Where most of the time, I mean, he loves Southeastern. He loves Southern. Uh, it's His seminary days are very important. I have to say on certain Saturdays, he's really focused more on one of those alma maters and very serious about his loyalty. <laughs> yeah. Particularly yes, right I, now. I, I particularly so. at the end of the season. Yes. Because things have been good, but always nervous about what's coming. Yeah. That beat down from Alabama is just around the, the corner. So Maybe not. Um, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I'm just happy. I'm just happy Vanderbilt's going to a bowl game. Sorry, Tennessee fans. Yeah, and throttled Tennessee last week. By the way, it, it was it, it was something. Uh, we do want to thank our friends up at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. They are committed to training future pastors, missionaries, and gospel leaders. You can learn more about undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral degree programs by visiting sbts.edu, and maybe you can be degree number twelve thousand. Uh, up in Louisville in just a few years. Thanks again to them for sponsoring today's episode. Amy, we start in Atlanta in the Marietta area yeah. where Bryant Wright announced last Sunday that uh, he, it is time to find a successor for him at Johnson Ferry Baptist Church. Yeah, big announcement. This has been on his mind for a while. Uh, he really sought counsel from other pastors, just just thinking through 
said it had a sabbatical in 2012 and after that started talking to the elders about making plans for succession and so there there were guidelines for succession that were presented to the church they were approved in late 2014 but uh didn't really set those in motion until now. Uh, and so had a, uh, it seems like a great way that it was done. I mean, I've just read it in the Baptist Press article, which we have a link to in the show notes, but he did a sermon titled Succession of a Long-Tenured Leader, talking about Moses and Joshua. And then uh, there's a video uh, with him and his wife, Anne, just kind of talking through this, the journey that led to it. So it seems like he announced it in a, a really thorough way. But a couple clear things. Uh, there's no successor in place yet. So it's talking about starting that process. And then also they were clear about this doesn't mean retirement, um, that they want to be in ministry for another 10 to 15 years. They're praying for the Lord to provide that opportunity. So this is just beginning uh, the process of uh, of a transition. Yeah, I talked to a good friend of Bryant's this week, and this came up uh, in the conversation and he mentioned that uh, Bryant, you know, is is still ready to go. I mean, still ready for yeah. more ministry, just, you know, uh, something different than the senior pastorate at Johnson Ferry. Yeah. So uh, we wish him all the best. He's a former Southern Baptist president, uh, uh, served early, you know, in this decade, just a few years ago, actually, in uh, 2011, 12, 13, somewhere in that range. So we wish him all the best in this time of transition. Can't wait to see uh, who Johnson Ferry picks uh, to succeed him and uh, what the Lord holds next for Brian Wright and his yeah. wife, Ann. There we go. And, and now, Amy, we turn to Southeastern, where you guys had some news that in, involves somebody I, I kind of know well. Yeah, so we announced that uh, Tom Rayner, who you and I both know, you know very well, have worked for him for a long time, and um, I've had opportunities to work with him and for him through the years. Uh, he's going to join the Southeastern faculty as part-time distinguished professor of church revitalization and leadership. So he's gonna. this is going to start in January. Um, this is really exciting news. I was excited to hear about it. Um, He'll teach in the doctoral program. He's also going to help with the uh, graduate level, which would be like our master's level in church revitalization, which obviously is a, a major area of expertise for him, and even helping just kind of develop what those courses look like. This is the kind of thing where if we're going to continue training people specifically in church revitalization, there's nobody else. Tom Rayner is the guy that Amen. you want. Um, so this is exciting. Uh, for us, not just because we uh, know him and appreciate him, but because we just understand and respect what he brings in this in this area. So now this means starting in January, I can say that I've worked with Tom Rayner at three SVC entities. Wow. So that's kind of that's fun. That's pretty fantastic. Yeah. Because I think he's only quote unquote worked uh, for three SVC entities yeah. and you've been a part of all of them. Right. So, so. and for those wondering what part-time professor means means he's going to come in a couple of weeks a year and just right. do some classes. Not a, it's so, not a move. It's, it's not. It's yeah. so, so part-time would mean like he doesn't come to faculty meetings. He doesn't have a, you know, it's not that um, level, but it does mean it's a, it's more than adjunct. You know, it's like he, he had, there's consistency and he does, uh, like you said, a couple of times a year. So uh, we're just really, really grateful for what he's going to be able to contribute. And speaking of the seminaries, Southern had a speaker who was out of this world, Amy. Nicely done. Nicely done. That's like your own little headline. 
it's kind of fun. This was an event that spot was sponsored by the Bevan Center for Missions Mobilization, and they had NASA astronaut Jeff Williams. This event's called the Night of Valor, and it's something they do in honor of veterans. Um, he was at one time the record holder for most cumulative days in space. Um, he visited Southern in 2013, and then in 2016, he was on the International Space Station and spoke with Dr. Muller during a chapel service, which is so interesting because I, I think I've talked about in our history moments, there have been several astronauts that have spoken at different SBC seminaries or sent messages. I think one of them sent like a telegram yeah. or something like that. So this is kind of neat. It just adds, the these things just add to that. But he talked all about what it's like living in the International Space Station, um, but also shared a lot of photos um, that uh, and a time-lapse video of clips just really showing his view of creation. Um, the, he, it said he got a picture of the entire Grand Canyon, which is That's cool. phenomenal. Yeah. Yes. So with an 800 millimeter lens. Yeah. That's just, that's a big lens, y'all. That's, that's a big yeah, lens. It's that's like incredible. almost three feet. Yeah. So he he got a chance to talk about what it was like uh, to to see that and what it really showed him of God's glory. So uh, I would love to to know if they uh, like recorded that and posted it online. We should check that out because I would actually enjoy seeing that. Yeah. I'll take a look and see if we can find anything online. Yeah. So uh, that'd be good. All right. Um, down to Louisiana. They have announced a search committee for the executive director search to succeed David Hankins, uh, who announced his retirement effective next June. The search committee chairman is Waylon Bailey. He is pastor of First Baptist Church in Covington. He's chairman of uh, the Louisiana Baptist Convention's executive board. Uh, he announced that um, in a news release and gave the process for recommending candidates or for people to actually apply. They can just apply directly. So uh, there's an email address. It's in the Baptist Press release, which we'll put in the show notes. It's L-B-C-E-X-E-D-I-R search. So LBCXEDER for director. So kind of a, a shorthand search at gmail.com. Yeah, so make sure, because I, I, the way I said that, it could be confusing. So make sure you go to the Baptist Press article, use that exact Gmail address, or uh, mail, you know, send through the mail. The address for Dr. Waylon Bailey is in there as well. Materials yeah. must be sent electronically or postmarked no later than January 15th. Um, so they've already started developing a profile of the type of candidate they're looking for. And uh, are, I'm sure they are looking forward to receiving those nominations. Yes. And so if you have uh, anybody to nominate, like you said, Amy, the uh, executive director search email is in the Baptist Press article that we linked to. It's a, a, a bit of a tricky email address. So make sure you get that right. And we have more state convention annual meeting recaps. Amy, we go to the Caribbean and start in Puerto Rico. Yes. Yeah, so uh, they gained nine new congregations at their annual meeting. So that's really exciting. Um, and, uh, and especially exciting this year because this is it's just over a year after Hurricane Maria. So nine new congregations after that um, really is is kind of stunning. Um, so their newly elected president, David Colon, um, was pastor of Iglesia Bautista Logos in Santa Isabel. 
And uh, he said that meeting was historic because, first of all, newly added churches. And then second, uh, they had a participation that really allowed for the election of a full slate of officers, which is is exciting. That means, you know, every every spot fulfilled, fully elected. In addition to David Colon, Junior Martinez as um, vice president, uh, secretary is Xavier Torado, um, assistant secretary Gil Ramos, who is the pastor of Iglesia Bautista Renace in Laras, treasurer Raul Torres, pastor of Iglesia Bautista Oasis de Amor in Penuelas, and Andres Laraquinte is the uh, assistant treasurer as well. And they were kind of listed at different points in the story doing things with their churches. They also have representatives that they elected from all over different parts of Puerto Rico. So a lot of, uh, a lot of participation. And that's exciting, particularly after uh, last year. The, the story notes that they had attendance cut by a third after the hurricane, um, I'm sure with a lot of folks sort of evacuating and leaving uh, because of, you know, loss of homes, things like that. And so to know that churches are being planted uh, now, that's just that's just great. So I think it was a, a big celebration. They approved a budget of thirty two thousand dollars. And that's just from anticipated cooperative program gifts uh, from member churches, a total of eleven percent. um or 3,500 will be allocated to evangelism and missions in cooperation with NAM and the International Mission Board. In uh, 2018, they received 39,092 in CP receipts and forwarded 4,217 to the SBC. So, uh, the, their budget they approve is a little under that, but we'll see it could, you know, go, uh, higher like it did this past year. Um, but ex- very excited, uh, just to see in uh, the aftermath of everything they have been through uh, to see them coming together and uh, continuing the the work of the kingdom. All right. They have a great report down there from uh, Puerto Rico and uh, excited to see Felix Cabrera, uh, the second vice president of the Southern Baptist Convention uh, in his church plant down there. So uh, just just great to see the, the work that's being done on the island down there. We had a, a great talk with uh, David Melber and some of the the guys from NAM, uh, Kevin Ezel ex- even joined us uh, at the SBC annual meeting this year. I did that that panel on the CP stage about the work that's going on in Puerto Rico. So uh, always exciting to get updates from them down there, and uh, good to see them growing. A lot of opportunities down there for growth, uh, for evangelism, and for ministry in Puerto Rico, and good to see. A uh, great update from them. Now up to Mississippi, Amy, where their budget uh, dipped slightly to just to over $31 million, but they are forwarding 37.9% of that onto the national CP. That's up from 377 last year, so a slight bump as well uh, there in Mississippi. Officers elected at the Mississippi Baptist Convention, including a re-election of Mark Vincent, the senior pastor of Clark Venable Baptist Church as president, Scott Thomas II, the senior pastor of North Oxford Baptist Church, as first vice president, Tommy Snyder, the pastor of First Baptist Batesville, as second vice president, recording secretary is Michael Weeks. He's the pastor of Pleasant Hill in Olive Branch, and the assistant recording secretary, Jerry Bingham, the associational mission strategist of the Benton Tippa Baptist Association in Ripley. So uh, congratulations to them. So not a whole lot of business uh, at the Mississippi Annual Baptist meeting this year, but uh, by all accounts, a, a productive meeting. And uh, that'll move us to Hawaii. Amy, you're getting like the 
like the tropical things. What's going I, on here? I know you get Puerto I, Rico I and now get Hawaii. Listen, I'm wondering if next year we could actually do like a live show from Hawaii. We need to visit some of these state conventions, and I want to start with that one. Not North Dakota. Well, North Dakota would get me that last state, so I could say I'd been to all fifty. So that's that's important. So I could do North Dakota and Hawaii. How's that? Let's see, Hawaii or the Great White North? Uh, let's see. It all depends if I'm worried more about the scorecard or if I just want to go to Hawaii. But let's talk about their meeting, which was exciting. Uh, they had 191 messengers and 87 guests. They met in Honolulu. Um, they, but their convention goes beyond um, Hawaii, which demonstrates it's not going to be as easy for their cooperating congregations to come always. They also have churches in Guam, Saipan, American and Western Samoa, South Korea, Japan, Thailand, and the Philippines. Um, That's why it's the Hawaii Pacific Baptist Convention. Right, because it's that entire area. Uh, So they uh, passed a budget of $2,375,000. That's a 9% decrease from last year. They will continue to forward 20% of CP receipts to Southern Baptist Convention Missions and Ministries and retain 80% uh, for Hawaii Pacific Missions and Ministries, and uh, that does not include any shared ministry expenses. Um, Sounds like they had a great, you know, inspiring time. They also voted to receive two international churches into their fellowship, Central Baptist Church in Okinawa and International Baptist Church in Manila, uh, the Philippines. Um, the president was uh, elected Steve Irvin, pastor of Pali. V- Crikey. What? Oh, Crikey. that's Irwin, not oh. Irvin. Okay. This is Steve Irvin. Never mind. That was pretty yeah. funny, though. Um, Rest in peace, Steve. Pastor of Pali View Baptist Church in Kaneohe, Hawaii. Uh, and then re-elected officers, First Vice President Sterling Lee, who is pastor of First Baptist Church in Pearl City. Uh, second Vice President is Alan Krober, pastor of uh, Mililani uh, Hawaii Baptist Church. And Recording Secretary Lizzie McElrath, a member of Olivet Baptist. So uh, sounds like they had a, a great uh, a great time, several um addresses a mission several folks addressing the convention a missions and evangelism training uh from some imb missionaries uh and just a a good time to be together it's it's fun seeing the picture of the officers with uh with their executive director uh, chris martin not the chris martin we know but another chris martin um uh, but the officers all have lays, you know, around their necks and, and uh, d- just kind of different than uh, just a very Hawaii touch there. So that that was was really neat. So it sounds like it was a great meeting for them. All right. I, I'm going to file a complaint with the uh, the organizers of SBC this week, giving me the uh, the non-fun uh, locations for this week. So you're but, the one who set this list up. Yeah, I I, just, I'm filing a self-complaint. That's here. right. Uh, yeah. So Minnesota, Wisconsin. Up to the Great White North, where they continue to increase their CP forwarding on to National Convention. It's up to 35%, which is up from 17% back in 2015. They've continued continued to increase that year over year. Uh, they are expecting total CP receipts of $550,000 uh, this coming year, which uh, means that 192500 of that will be passed on to the national CP. Uh, they approved a budget of just under $1.5 million. That's a 0.7% increase over uh, last year's budget. Officers elected were Chris Hing, pastor of Twin Cities Hmong Baptist Church. Uh, he is the president. 
and Vice President Bob Stein, pastor of Midvale Baptist in Madison, Wisconsin. Second Vice President Jonathan Woodyard, who's a pastor of Northfield Community Church in Northfield, Minnesota. And Wes Shemwell, a member of Midvale Baptist Church in Madison, was reelected as a recording secretary. And Jim Gress, member of Southtown Baptist, or was reelected as the assistant recording secretary. They announced a couple of staff changes and also received an update on their five-year partnership established uh, just last year with the Missouri Baptist Convention. Uh, those two conventions are kind of work together for the mutual engagement of their people on mission. So 25 teams from the Missouri Baptist Convention have come up and uh, partnered with the Minnesota-Wisconsin uh, Baptist Convention to, to help multiply and you know uh, churches. And Rick Hedger, who's uh, from the Missouri Baptist Convention, uh, said that there are many other churches in Missouri looking to uh, partner with those Minnesota-Wisconsin churches and help plant more in the region. All right, let's do one more. And this one is like going home for me. Uh, and it is. It's homecoming. It's homecoming. And uh, I got to go up there sometimes. You know, we will take sometimes a, a Southeastern representative up there. We should try to uh, to do that. Keith and I should try to go just just so it's like going back. Why not have Brian Autry invite Keith to speak at the thing? I mean, come on, Brian. Hey, now, I didn't say bring that. Bring him home. You said that. I That had nothing. No. Anyway. Um, like Jean Valjean, bring him home. <laughs> I so At some point, I should go up there just so, just so we can be back. That's the only other state convention where I've served as a messenger besides North Carolina. So the Southern Baptist Convention of Virginia annual homecoming uh, was in Hampton at Liberty Baptist Church, and uh, that's always a great uh, venue for them. Now, it, and a huge crowd. Yeah, check this and out. And if you're wondering, if you're listening, and you want to correct me, um, it it may have sounded strange when I said Southern Baptist Convention of Virginia because it's been known for a long time as Southern Baptist Conservatives of Virginia, but there was an October vote of the executive board to make a a transition. So the state convention is retaining its founding name of Southern Baptist Conservatives of Virginia, but in business matters is now going to refer to itself as the Southern Baptist Convention of Virginia. So it's, or SBC of Virginia. So we can still, I mean, we're still going to say SBCV, but it is Southern Baptist Convention of Virginia now. So I thought that that was kind of an interesting uh, little piece. Uh, They had 1,691 registered attendees. So that's 803 messengers and 888 guests from 263 churches. David Platt uh, was a keynote speaker who is teaching pastor of McLean Bible Church, which is an SBC church. And I I think uh, that was a, a very inspiring uh, talk. I saw some video clips from it, which I'm going to share that uh, in a minute. But they also had uh, Fred Luter, Edgar Aponte, uh, who is the IMB Vice President of Mobilization, great friend of the Whitfields, uh, David Wheeler from Liberty University, uh, Eric Thomas, uh, Senior Pastor of uh, First Norfolk, Brian Autry, and Ben Gutierrez, uh, who is also at at Liberty. They approved the cooperative ministry investment plan uh, unanimously for $9,804,000, which is an increase of uh in an increase in CP gifts of 100,000 over two, 2018. Um so some of those will be provided through uh SBCV Foundation, NAM, Lifeway, you know, other things. They will forward 51% on uh, to national and international causes. Uh, that's $4,794,000. Uh, percentages are unchanged from last year. 
Um, Eric Thomas was elected to a second term as president and uh, Pastor Tim Ma from Emanuel Baptist Church in Manassas was reelected uh, secretary. And then the new officers are Rob Pochak from First Baptist Church Charlottesville uh, as first vice president and then second vice president Charles Maney of Mount Tirza Baptist Church in Charlotte courthouse. So uh, it seems like it was just a really, uh, a really great time. They did an evangelistic outreach in uh, Portsmouth. You know, this whole area, they were in Hampton, but that's part of an area called Hampton Roads, which really just feels like a metro area almost. It's made up of a ton of different cities, Portsmouth, Norfolk, uh, Newport News, Hampton, Suffolk, uh, and just Virginia Beach, Virginia Beach. Yeah. Um, even some people will include Williamsburg in that. So it's it's a lot of cities that just kind of run into each other. And so um, so they're all really close together. Uh, Hampton is right there and they did a day in advance uh in Portsmouth. So it was an evangelistic outreach and they had more than 300 volunteers from 19 churches, uh, just doing all, all kinds of things as well as some other outreaches that are, are mentioned in the story, which we'll put in the show notes. And also I want to include in the show notes, I got a video, um, that uh, was was shared with me, but it's been on Facebook. Uh, Don Cox from SBCV, who we used to deal with some when we were up there. He's a regional missionary and a church strengthening coordinator, does a lot of great work for the SBCV, uh, passed this on to me. They put together a great video montage of their meeting. And so I'm throwing that in the show notes as well. Definitely worth just a few minutes um, and just hits a lot of the highlights, including some of David Platt's address, as well as Eric Thomas and and others, uh, and really shows a little bit of, of what they did. So check it out. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our news this week. And uh, Amy, if, if Keith does get an invite, I want a speaker's feet cut on that. I'm going to say honorarium. again that I did not ask just, you to just say that. Up. I have nothing to do with that uh, particular conversation. I love yeah. my SBCV friends, though. That's going to bring us to my favorite part of the week, this week in SBC history. Amy? blow our minds. All right. So we're going to go to 1973. And I pulled this because of a story that caught my attention that was kind of fascinating, uh, really about your area, uh, about the Baptist Sunday School Board. Um, but it also had another state convention story that I thought was kind of fun. So I'm going to hit two things. One, um, this is the November 30th, 1973 issue of Baptist Press. And it's a story where it uh, has a headline, Just Try to Get an Original Broadman Commentary. Volume one. So for those of you who are uh, well versed in recent SBC history, uh, folks who know that the uh, controversy of the 19, uh, well, really starting in 63 and, and moving up, but the, the, what's what we refer to often as the conservative resurgence of the eighties, nineties things, um, that a huge part of that was a commentary that was published by the Baptist Sunday School Board on Genesis. Um, and it was very controversial. It was, uh, withdrawn from, uh, from sale by the trustees of the Baptist Sunday School Board. And it was controversial because of some of the, the things that were, uh, stated in it, some of the interpretations of Genesis. Um, and, uh, so the, the SBC annual meeting in St. Louis in 1971 requested that it would be withdrawn and rewritten, which it was. So if you decide to go and try to get Broadman commentaries, you're going to get that second one. So this story is talking about how, um, somebody took the original one from 
the library at the Sunday school board at the time. So there was a library. Um, wow. Yeah. And uh, it was still there even when I was working at Lifeway. Uh, and The Dargan Library. That's right. That's right. So uh, someone had pulled it and it was missing. And there were all of these copies in the warehouse, but they were not allowed to be released. I mean, they could not be in circulation. And so uh, James Sullivan, who was the president of the Sunday School Board at the time, had to go to the trustee executive committee to request permission for it to be in the library just for posterity, for historical purposes. And so, I mean, it had to be like a high-level approval uh, to get it into the library. Um, and the, so then the story said, persons now owning copies of the controversial volume hold a type of rare collector's item, including the individual who borrowed or stole the Dargan Carver library copy, if that's what happened. We're not sure how it came to be missing. So somebody out there may have a copy of it that came from the Baptist Sunday School Board Library. Um, I tried to look online to see. Um, I know I've heard of people talking about if, you know, that it's almost impossible to get. Uh, I can't find it anywhere, even like a random, you know, rare copy online. I can't imagine how much that would cost just in having a, a part of history, but I'd be fascinated to know if any of our listeners have one um, out there because it's understandable given what was going on that the Sunday school board said, we got to get these uh, out of circulation because we don't need them and we don't want them in the hands of people. They're not representative of the views of our churches. Um, but now as someone interested in history, you're like, man, this thing was so controversial. It'd be fascinating to uh, just to see it. Uh, so I don't know how many are still out there, but I know that at one point uh, there wasn't even one in the library, despite the stacks and stacks in the warehouse. So thought that was really interesting. But then the next story is a little issue that was happening at the state convention in Georgia. So this is in 1973, remember? So a lot of people, and this is before the days of presidential candidates being known. I mean, the the presidential race didn't start, you know, three years out. Uh, so a lot of folks wouldn't have even known who the governor of Georgia was, but it was uh, a man named Jimmy Carter, who we all are aware of. And at that time, he was very involved in the Southern Baptist Convention. So here's what happened. He was an ordained deacon and an active member of Northside Drive Baptist Church in Atlanta. So in October... The newspapers in Atlanta were publishing stories that claimed he would push for legislation making liquor sales legal all over the state. Said he favors a wet, he favors a wet Georgia. So there were dry counties, wet counties, things like that. Um, so at their at their meeting, the Baptist Convention of of the state of Georgia adopted a resolution that criticized him. They said there that these views are not in keeping with his personal commitment to Georgia Baptists. They called on the assembly to resist and defeat the announced proposal of Governor Jimmy Carter to legalize the sale of liquor in every county in Georgia. Um, well, as they're doing that, um, as they're adopting that one, they were also adopting a resolution praising him for some other things he was doing. He was in South Carolina speaking to their state convention. He gets home. He reads uh, in the media the the resolutions that had been adopted. They were still meeting. He immediately writes a personal handwritten letter to the convention and explained that he was grossly misquoted, that he had no intention of advocating statewide 
legal liquor. And then he had his driver deliver it, hand deliver the letter to the convention president while the convention is going on. But they were in the middle of a worship session. Their final session was a worship session, and they didn't really think that it needed to be, um, it needed, they, they didn't need to bring business back up. So he didn't read the letter to the convention. Um, so it just, it was all this drama happening. So then they, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure the governor wasn't thrilled about that, that they, that he went to all this trouble and then they didn't read it. So they have a lot of discussions and the president, um, released it through the Christian index and the letter essentially, you know, it, it kind of gets into the details about he doesn't want to change the state laws. He did have some concerns about, uh, what was happening in dry counties, you know, lots of, uh, kind of getting into the weeds about what, uh, what all he meant, but he wanted clarification. So then the week later, so then a week later, um, a delegation of Atlanta Baptists called on him to seek clarification. And, uh, they, they, you know, so they, they do another one. He restates sort of the same, uh, the same position. And so it's very interesting. And then at the end, it says he also expressed strong resentment toward Baptist groups adopting resolutions about him without first calling on him to determine his exact views. So 1973 was an interesting time for Georgia Baptists because they were kind of publicly getting into it with uh, Governor Jimmy Carter, who is no longer a Southern Baptist, as he has um, kind of resigned several times over the years. Uh, but I thought it was just just fascinating to see this whole thing, sending the, the letter through the driver, you know, all of that. Um, so really interesting, lots of fun things going on, but they were talking about uh, really interesting, lots of things going on, but uh, we were having fascinating things at the Georgia State Convention and an interesting missing commentary being replaced uh, by action of the trustees at the Sunday School Board. And it all happened this week in SBC history. Wow. Fascinating. And uh, we, we had some research. I need to link to that research at Lifeway. We had some research about drinking and denominational uh, stats. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and which denominations are more likely to drink and no surprise, Southern Baptists were the second least likely yes. uh, to admit to drinking uh, just behind Assemblies of God. I think they were the uh, the least likely. And then um, so some fascinating stats there. I need to link to that over at Lifeway Research that came out this week. Um, on to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is? All right. Mine is one that I think I've done before, but I'm doing it again because of the, the timing and, and folks may not have heard about it. I think Tis it the season, year. Amy. Yes. So it's a book by Scott James, um, who is from uh, Birmingham, Alabama. He is an elder at the church at Brook Hills um, and a physician there. Uh, he wrote a children's book, came out last year. It's called The Littlest Watchman, Watching and Waiting for the Very First Christmas. And I'm pretty sure I did this as a resource last year, but I'm doing it again this year because I just want to. Um, and I think over the next few weeks, I'm going to give some of my favorite uh, seasonal resources at uh, at this time. And I wanted to do this one first because I know we have a lot of folks out there who are parents. And uh, this is a, a time that can be really difficult because the kids are so excited about 
waiting. Um, uh, the, and it, it can get impatient. You know, the days seem to go so long waiting until December 25th. Uh, but this kind of takes that, that concept and it, it has this, uh, this character, Benjamin, um, who is watching for the sign that all God's promises are coming true. And, and he's watching this little tree, uh, sprout up. And so, uh, it, it takes that idea and then really gives some of the magic of Advent. Uh, so I want to throw that out there. If you don't have it, um, if you're a parent or a grandparent, or if you know someone, uh, check this book out and uh, give it. It's a great one for kids uh, this Christmas. And um, I, I, I really love it. And, and we uh, appreciate um, a lot of what uh, Dr. James does, uh, but definitely this contribution. Yeah. And he's also got an Advent devotional called The Expected One. He does, so, uh, which we've that's, done that's that one. Bonus. We've, we've yeah. done that one in the past, but let's throw that up too. A bonus resource. Yeah, there, bonus resource because uh, this is the time for that. And Scott James, we, we get 10% of those royalties, by the way. <laughs> All right, Amy, my resource of the week is uh, some videos from Southern, but it's not the video of the astronaut. Uh, Jeff Williams, he did speak in chapel a while back. They did an interview in chapel. I think we even covered that on the podcast. But uh, that that video of the uh, the Night of Valor is not up yet. But they do have some really, really cool renditions of Christmas carols uh, from the Norton Hall Band. So those are going to be my um, resources of the week. There's a couple of videos, really, really well done. Norton Hall Band, uh, they put out some really great uh, versions of hymns and, and now doing some Christmas songs and Christmas carols uh, that you'd be familiar with, but with a unique twist. So uh, check those out. I, I really enjoy those. You can check that out and maybe you know even use one of the versions in your own church this Christmas season. Very cool. All right. Well, I, I keep waiting one of these days, Dr. Moeller, to show up in one of these Norton Hall videos, you know, singing or playing a triangle or something like that. It'd be, be quite the funny cowbell. if they did that. The cowbell. Yes. Dr. Moeller with cowbell. the cowbell in the Norton Hall band videos. That would that'd be we, really cool. It'd be like never, the Stan Lee cameo. We, we will never see that. And that's okay. Yeah, I know. It, but it would be awesome. So, but if we do see it, yeah. we know where the, we'll uh, never the idea that. came from. So, all right. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us, folks. And uh, Advent kicks off this week. If you're doing that uh, with your family and uh, church family, that all starts this week as we jump into December. Uh, Christmas just 25 days away, Amy. It's an easy countdown now when right. it's November 30th. Right. <laughs> yes. So. The countdown just got easier uh, for, for Christmas. So uh, we're excited about that time of year. And I know you got a lot going on at Southeastern. And uh, Lifeway is uh, clicking right along as well. Busy season for us too. Next week's going to be a lot of fun for us. We've got uh, the, the Rabbit Room Symposium is coming. And a great friend of ours, uh, Jonathan Rogers, is going to come speak next week. And then the Behold the Lamb concert is on our campus next Wednesday night, and then we jump right into graduation. So uh, it's going to be a busy week, but one I'm really looking forward to. All right. Sounds good. I can't wait for that. And uh, send pictures of Behold the Lamb of God, because that'll be fun. Will do. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, folks. We'll see you next week. See you next week. See you next week.